0: And I started to understand that fear was like my ex that marked the spot for the treasure that I wanted on the other side. So if you wanna know how I've quantum leaped, I've always said, what is the scariest thing that I could do? Like, What scares me the most right now? And I have gone and said, how quickly can I get to that place?
1: Hi friends, I'm Jillian, the host of Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up. Between landing your dream job, crushing your love life, learning to invest, mastering your mindset, and figuring out how to be happy along the way, there's a lot to navigate. I've learned firsthand that there's more than one way to adult and it's not always linear. So consider this show my love letter to taking the unconventional route creating new milestones, and carving out your own version of success. You're right where you should be. So join me every week as I call in the experts for unfiltered, game-changing advice on how we can all live our best lives. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi guys, I hope you are doing great. As we reach this 1000th day of the never ending month of January, it honestly feels like this month has been never ending and a, a very long winter. And we're hitting the time where a lot of us might start to lose all of that momentum on the big goals that we set for the new year. But these moments of resistance, when it feels like it would just be easier to throw in the towel, these are the ones that actually matter. So right now you might be just looking for all of the evidence of why those goals you set weren't actually feasible or reasonable in the first place and why there's no sense of being so ambitious and burning yourself out and and setting yourself up to fail you might think this time is just about surviving and not thriving but all of that is self-sabotage and we're not doing that shit this year this is the year that we make quantum leaps towards becoming the person that we want to be and I feel that so strongly that 2023 was this like building block year of my life where things started to feel uncomfortable and change was in the air. I knew, I knew things were shifting for me and they weren't all lining up yet, but it was the beginning of this momentum. And now this year is the time to take the scary leaps. And if you have been feeling that way at all, I just really want this episode to be your guidebook to help you do the same. Because this can be the year that we stop upper limiting and end all of the self-sabotage that holds us back. And there is no one better to speak on this than the incredible Lori Harder. I am so excited to share this interview with you today and to share Lori's story of how she got out of her comfort zone and made epic leaps to go from an anxiety-ridden, unhealthy introvert to the confident, abundant, top podcast host fitness champ, speaker, and CEO that she is today. It is so impressive. So what are these big quantum leaps that we're talking about? These are the big game-changing transformations that we make to propel us multiple steps ahead, way beyond the current limitations of how we have been living into a future state of how we can be living when we, when we make these leaps. So quantum leaps require full immersion in our goals and radical shifts in how we think how we act, who we surround ourselves with, and overcoming those limiting beliefs that keep us playing small. The whole idea of these quantum leaps is that things that could take years and years to create, they can be done exponentially faster when we align how we're thinking, how we're acting, how we're living in a way that speeds it up and just creates so much compound positive change. But a lot of the times we have to overcome a lot of a lot of self-doubt and a lot of resistance to get to that point point. and there's a name for when we self-sabotage and limit our own potential and that is called upper limiting and i learned about this from listening to Lori's podcast and i could not believe how much it applied to my own life so we all basically have our own mental limit of how much success or money or love we believe we deserve And when we get close to that limit, we start to see self-sabotage creep in because it's trying to keep us safe. It's trying to keep us playing small in a comfortable place that we know that is familiar and that is not scary. That self-sabotage can show up in so many sneaky ways. It's not always obvious. I know for me, it has been avoidance and procrastination. It can be perfectionism and the fear of not being good enough. So why even start? It's comparison, excuses, it's prioritizing the needs of others and working for others over the scary thing that I want to do for myself. I just feel so passionately about all of us being empowered to become the version of ourselves that we know that we can be. So in this episode, we are going to talk about how to get out of our own way, how to stop telling ourselves those bullshit limiting stories that we keep feeding ourselves and using fear as our compass, not as a deterrent to guide us towards the big purposeful dreams that we are capable of achieving. But I am not the expert. So I called in Lori Harder lori is a serial entrepreneur best-selling author and host of the top podcast earn Your happy i have learned so much from listening to her show lori's story is really inspiring she has experienced so much in her life and turned it all into this amazing opportunity to grow and to share what she learned along the way she went from being an in-debt high school dropout to a millionaire She went from going door-to-door recruiting people for the religion that she was raised in, being homeschooled, having panic attacks, working on renovations and working as a waitress and a personal trainer, to then being a gym owner. And then all of a sudden, a fitness world champion, and a magazine cover model, and then a successful CEO, an educator, a best-selling author. And through all of this, The through line is that she teaches others how to find their purpose and take the big leap to reach their potential. Teach me how to stop self-sabotaging and start making quantum leaps, Lori. Lori, it is so great to talk to you. I am such a huge fan of your work and your podcast, and I'm so thrilled to chat with you today about how to make this the year we play big, make those quantum leaps, and just go after the things that we want.
0: I'm so, I'm so excited to be here. I was just telling you, it's, it's so much fun to, to talk with other podcasters. Um, the, the only problem is I feel like we need like two hours when it's two, two people who can talk.
1: So, uh, thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And I want to start off talking about quantum leaps, just to really empower our listeners to play big, to go all in this year. And knowing a little bit about your background, it really seems like your life has been a series of quantum leaps, Mm -hmm. going from your youth when you dropped out of high school and struggled with weight and money to setting your sights on the fitness industry, leaping from a personal trainer to a world champion in fitness and a cover model. Than an author, a podcast host, an entrepreneur. I'm exhausted just saying all of these things. But you have an incredible story. And I'd love to hear more about how you harnessed these quantum leaps and these breakthroughs to
0: unlock each level of achievement that you hit. Oh, you know, in all of those achievements were done definitely over a long period of time. Like, I hope, I always like to share that because, you know, so many people, we, we see the success and then we don't realize. And I know everybody... Truly does say this like it 's an overnight ten year success, and that 's really what mine has been you know the this idea of quantum leaps, which I absolutely feel that i 've been able to do, and I believe that anybody listening can do on this podcast as well, uh, s- simply started out of the idea that I was really worried about how I would end up if I did not start facing my fear and anxiety. You know, at a really Mm -hmm. young age, I remember, I think I had my first panic attack at 14 years old after being in a grocery store with my mom and her having a full on panic attack where um, she threw, threw me the car keys, said, you have to drive. You know, I did not know how to drive yet. She couldn't check out. I didn't know what was happening. She had just had my Brother, so there was a, a few things happening with her, like postpartum. I had no clue what was going on. I had to check out. She threw the wallet at the keys, and I just remember being like, "What just happened to my mom?" <laughs> and yeah. from that moment, it they kept happening to her. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't long after, literally like a couple of weeks, that I started having them. And so mm. you know, learn, perceived whatever it it was, they started very frequently. And this was in middle school, and when I had. Uh, had a lot of different moments where to my parents, you know, I was having these in school, in middle school. And I was telling my parents, like, I can't even go back to school, let alone stand and talk in front of people. I can't raise my hand. I can't talk. I don't know what happens. It feels like I'm dying, like I'm having a heart attack. And so it was very real. And nobody, none of my other friends knew what was going on. Nobody at the time was talking about this. Like, nobody. There was no social media. I just thought something was terribly wrong with me that I wouldn't you know that it wasn't fixable. And so honestly, the the reason that I started having to to face these fears is because my panic attacks and anxiety had gotten so bad in my early 20s that I couldn't even go out to dinner with our friends once I was married without drinking. I'm not even kidding you, like I would have four or five drinks before I would even go out. Mind you, I'm living I in can Wisconsin, so, relate so to this is pretty, you know, normal, but not really at the same time. <laughs> but, you know, obviously the the ways i was coping with having complete fear of even starting to leave the house and talk in front of people These were not maintainable coping mechanisms, not to mention I had really big dreams. I couldn't put a label on what those were, but I'd wake up every night at like 1 and 2 a.m. knowing that I was meant to do something really big and just feeling stuck, frustrated, like no one understood, very much a victim of my own life in this prison cell that I had created. And so these quantum leaps came from going the feeling of feeling trapped and not knowing how to get through these, you know, panic attacks and anxiety was starting to feel like worse than the fear of going for it. And so I hit a spot where I was like, I've tried all the quick fixes. I need to figure out how to actually face these fears and, What happened is my husband had gone to work and we had just started asking different people for like help around, you know, anyone who could help with anxiety, panic, all of these different things. And he had gone to work and mentioned it to one of his friends. And one of his friends said, you know, I just went to this thing. I don't really even know how to tell you what it is. This was like before personal development was mainstream. He says, I went to this thing called Landmark Forum, which is like a, a two, three day personal development, you know, event, which... He said, it could help. I'm not sure. I said, I'm going to try it. I don't even know what it is. I end up going to this three-day thing where it's it talks all about, you know, the stories that we build, um, how it can happen. Um, a lot of different people had these similar stories that I was having. It was the first time I'd heard anybody else talk about what I was dealing with. And so it it wasn't like that particular weekend fixed it on the spot, but what it did was it started to give me tools and access to people and language around what was happening and understanding how to Mm -hmm. move through my life, even with these things. And so a big theme was like, Hey, in order for this to go away, you actually have to start facing the things that you're afraid of the most. And I started to understand that fear was like my ex that marked the spot for the treasure that I wanted Mm. on the other side, for the blessing that I wanted on the other side, for the growth that I wanted on the other side. So if you want to know how I've quantum leaped, I've always said, what is the scariest thing that I could do? Like what scares me the most right now? like in my life when I go to think about it and I have gone and said, how quickly can I get to that place knowing? Yes, it could be a mess. I could fail. I could trip and fall on stage. I could totally screw up this talk. I could not be ready once I get there. But I will tell you that when you put that stake in the ground on that X of fear and you're like, I'm going to do it no matter what, no matter if it's a win or a fail. That is how you quantum leap something. And trust me, it's not without support that I did these things. You have people in your life that you tell them where you're at. You tell them the fear. You you talk through all of the the situations and you have to process verbally. And so for me, I've always created, I don't want to say had, because I didn't have the support. I had to go and find it and create it through different friendships or people at events or people in different Mm -hmm. coaching groups that I've joined, whatever that's looked like. Um, I've always created a lot of support for myself around those quantum leaps because there's been no way that I can just do it alone. Fuck yes to everything you just
1: said. I feel like I could take hours just to pinpoint all of the ways that I relate to everything that you just said. And I also think what's interesting about your journey and what I've been working on in my own is like, the flexibility that the big goal you're working towards, it can change. It can shift and move and you can achieve that and then unlock the next level of goals. So when we see people who have accomplished these insane things, they probably didn't on day one say, I want to achieve this insane thing. They started with like, I'm going to go for this level and then they achieve it and then they go to the next level. And and that really is, I believe, what these quantum leaps unlock for people. Mm. But I want to drill more down into the fear component because I think fear has been in the driver's seat for me for years. What has your relationship to fear been and how have you overcome that?
0: I mean, I still hate fear, but <laughs> I, I still frequently have it every single day of my life. But you're always going to have fear, but you're either going to, you know, fear what could happen if you don't take those leaps or become the woman or person that you're here to be. Or you can have the fear of just something new. That's it, just something new and uncertainty. And so I guess when you don't go after the things that you know that you want... What we should really switch our perspective and what we should shift our fear on is the fear of what our life is going to look like in five years, 10 years, 20 years, if we don't do that thing. And if if you think you're afraid now, (laughs) then what you're going to start looking at in the future is going to be, should be so scary that it makes the fear of going after your dreams and even publicly failing or getting canceled or whatever that underlying fear is or disappointing your family or losing your best friends, like that should be so much less scary, zooming out five years to 10 years, knowing that if you don't learn how to transform this fear and this pain, you will transfer it to other people and sabotage your relationships and your life. Mm -hmm. It's just how it works. So if you can think of someone who's never dealt with any of their stuff, they can't even keep good relationships because all that stuff gets transferred to all of their loved ones. All that stuff gets transferred to everyone around them. And so we have to learn how to deal with it. And a lot of dealing with it is doing it. And so doing it is a beautiful form of therapy. (laughs) And, you know, having the support around doing it is the key like factor that I really want everyone to focus in on is, you know, some people say leap and build your wings on the way down. I do agree to that to some extent. I definitely have a burn the boats mentality for sure, but I also have a safety net mentality. Like if I was going to go be the best trapeze artist in the world, you better believe that I'm going to check the net before I go up there to feel the freedom to do these really cool tricks and whatever else I'm going to do. I actually took trapeze class for a while. And the first thing that you do when you do it, is that you're going to, like everyone there checks the net. You check the safety of the net. You check to see if it's secure so that when you go up, you don't have to go, oh, do I have a net? Can I check this net? Do I feel free to try these new things that I've never tried before? Can we eliminate some of the fear? The very first time that I did trapeze, you get a full instruction on the ground of how to fall in the net. So- Mm -hmm. That's another thing that I do now is, okay, I'm going to instruct myself fully on all of my fears and obstacles and how I'm going to fail if it happens. Meaning if I have a Mm. fear of, you know, five major things when starting this company out, I'm going to write all those fears down. And then I'm going to write what I'm going to do to support each one or who I'm going to talk to, to help me work through them. I have a plan That I know what's going to happen even if I fail. Like who's still in my corner even if I fail? What does this look like? So that's helped me be able to have a lot more freedom in my decisions. And let me tell you, it's helped me take a lot more risk, which is vital in entrepreneurship. Your whole life is a risk in entrepreneurship. And even if you're not an entrepreneur, I believe it's even riskier to not control your fate and your decisions. Because I have been in that place where, you know, my husband was in mortgage and finance, and he was flying through the ranks, making incredible, insane income with this company for so many years in the banking industry, locked and loaded, right? That's been around forever. And then 2008 hit, he lost his job. We lost our home. We lost our cars, lost everything. And so that was the moment of nothing is secure and I'm going to bet, I'm going to start betting on me. I'm going to invest in me to build my skill sets so that I know no matter what happens, I'm going to try to figure out something in some arena. And that's really what I've learned is going from someone who did not graduate high school thinking that, you know, Hopefully I can just get a job that pays me well and I don't get fired or whatever that looks like to learning different skill sets and understanding there's so many of these little niches out there that we live in the most magical time in history, whether you believe it or not, in terms of being able to make money with the internet, in social media, like these are free huge marketing platforms that we did not have before. So taking that perception and owning it and not being a victim in your life. And I can speak to that because I was for so many years. Oh, that's so powerful.
1: I I love that. Just examining the worst case scenarios because I think sometimes these worst case scenarios of these fears are lorded over us and they're they're too scary and we just, they, they completely stop us in our tracks. But if you examine the worst case scenarios, if you like go down the what if rabbit hole and it's like, well, what's next? Okay, this bad thing happens. I'm embarrassed. I fail. Well, then what? Well, then everyone will see me fail. Well, then what? Okay, well, the people that aren't really in my corner won't be in my corner anymore. And then understanding that you are capable of withstanding that storm and that the worst case scenario might actually not be as bad as your anxiety is allowing yourself to be. Mm -hmm. That has been this amazing practice that I've been trying to do and it sounds like it's been really powerful for you. So I love that. And I also want to hear a bit more about your anxiety around public speaking because I was shocked when I heard that you would have anxiety attacks before public speaking because you're such an amazing speaker This is something I really relate to. I get so much fucking anxiety now when I get up to stand in front of people, even like not a big room of strangers. This could be like an intimate, nice group of people that I like. And if I have to get up and all the attention suddenly goes on me, my body freezes, the anxiety kicks in and fear takes over. And I don't know when that started and I don't know how to stop it. Can you tell us more about how you got through those anxiety attacks and how you've still managed to master public speaking?
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I totally do not feel masterful, but that's good. You know, sometimes it's like I'm just hearing you talk and I, I obviously relate to you so much. I still really feel that. And even just recently, I'll kind of share something I did recently, but I'll back up first. I was raised in a really restrictive religion. And in my teenage years, I started to, I wouldn't necessarily say get into trouble, but some different things started happening where it was like, when attention was on me, sometimes it was very negative. Like some of my friend group were, we were just under question for different things in, in our religion, which was a a really interesting way to be raised to always feel like everything you're doing is like under a microscope. And so Mm. I think that that threw me into an absolute spiral around any attention focused on me because I always felt like it would be negative. So if I flew under the radar then I just wouldn't get attention period. So everything was about like covering up, being more modest, being smaller, don't speak up, you know, and sometimes our minds can do that unconsciously without us realizing that it's trying to protect us or keep us small because maybe we have a fear of, you know, we saw somebody get canceled online. Maybe we saw somebody who lost their business. And what we don't realize is it's buried in there everything in our body and mind, everything in our brain is wired to keep you safe. So there could be all of this data that you've seen that you've locked away and you didn't know, oh, this is literally trying to keep me safe. Obviously that does not keep us safe. It really stunts our our entire purpose on the planet, which then stunts our income. So <laughs> I think a couple of beliefs I'll start there. Cause honestly, Jillian, there's been about 10,000 things that helped me just keep getting back on the stage. I have to hold the belief that no matter what happens on the stage, on my way to the stage, what I say, if I trip and fall, um, whatever happens up there and trust me, I have, because I speak so much, I have some stories, like some serious bowel issue stories, panic attack no. stage stories like i've got no. them all <laughs> you do not get to skip like doing this frequently without life happening on a stage so oh, those are for another time but i'm i'm happy to share them
1: yeah i need to hear
0: this <laughs> <laughs> literally had to stop a talk like in the middle like your worst nightmare yeah it's oh, it's crazy oh okay oh, so worse. i have the belief that no matter what happens when i'm up there is for my growth it's for my evolution and it's also mm-hmm. gonna be a really epic story for later. And you know, none of no good <laughs> stories are just like, oh, everything went perfect. That's just not how it works, or yeah. like, oh, the growth felt so easy. And I always think things yeah. like, okay, well, this moment's going into your Netflix movie. Whether you have one or not, it's just you have to remember there is no good movie. Everything is content. <laughs> yes, totally. Yes. This is like your best stuff. Um, so I I yeah. do have that belief. So whenever something is happening, I'm like, oh this is for me to grow, more areas to grow. Okay, great. And you know, this is all happening for me. I really hold that belief. Um, And then it's dialed into like, I have little speaker tricks. Like I always ask if I'm doing a keynote, you better believe I have a confidence monitor. Like, and then for the confidence monitor backup, I have notes printed out because I've had my confidence monitor break. So then I have my notes up on stage or I keep my phone accessible with my notes. If I start to get a a mini panic attack on stage, which I've totally had, where you kind of like feel like you're going to black out. I have a lot of tricks. I get on stage, I take a deep breath. I tell them to like meet with their neighbors and I give them a question and I say, Hey, meet your neighbor. Let them know what your favorite part of this event has been, or, you know, ask them this question and share that. That gives me time to like get grounded up there. It gives me a moment. I have little hacks like that in the middle of the talk. If I start to feel that way, I have a couple things built in that I can always grab. Um, I can have them discuss amongst themselves. And it's just, I don't go up there without these. I don't go up there winging it, wondering, oh, if it happens, I have no plan. I have 25 plans for all of this, which which then eases my anxiety. You know, a lot of people have, I've shared this with a lot of people, just the anxiety, panic, or they've reached out and they said, uh, and this is true and not true. They're like, you know, if you really just focus on your why and wanting to shift people you wouldn't be nervous and I was like bullshit because I Don't legitimately know about that one. Yeah. I only literally get up there obviously to to serve my highest call and to impact people like because I was the person yeah. in the back row who didn't believe they could and trust me if this was just for me there's no way in hell I would even get up on the first step of that stage like because it doesn't feel good. It feels it still feels really terrible until I'm like in flow in the middle of it, so that 's not necessarily true. I want to wipe that out because that 's all I hear from people all the time, like just focus on who you 're going to impact i 'm like, okay, tell that to my body, <laughs> like tell that to how yeah. deeply buried this is right now um, so recently, I was on the way to to give a talk, and it was like an hour drive, and on that drive, it, I mean this was only like a few weeks ago, and I was just saying prayers the whole time, and I was just bawling I was like. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. I want to serve, but I cannot feel this way anymore. And I think something shifted. It was like, I'm super done with this story. And I, I got up on the stage and I felt better. I didn't feel a hundred percent, but I felt better. Mm. And I think it was just like this, even hearing myself say it, like, I think I, I think I have to also let that go, like truly let it go. It's funny because you try to
1: prepare, like in life, we try to prepare so hard for the things that we see as our challenges, our shortcomings or our anxieties. So we're focused on it. We're like trying to compensate for them. And then we're reinforcing a story over and over again. Like I'm always reinforcing, oh, well, I'm really anxious. So that won't be a good environment for me. Well, I'm an anxious person. So that doesn't come easily to me. And so in trying to like Create a life that allows for me to have these elements of myself that I'm working on. Sometimes I also continue to perpetuate these stories, and so I love that because I think sometimes we also just need to like get sick of our own shit. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, a, a few times a year I get really sick of my shit, and that's usually when the biggest changes happen. So I'm like, I'm fucking done with this. I also loved this really great formula that you had that I saw in one of your TED Talks to help people cultivate resilience and deal with challenges and resistance. Can you walk us through that resistance plus time under tension equals strength? It's such a
0: great analogy. Yes, I come from the fitness world, you you know, personal trainer, all of the things probably was in it for about 10 years. And so for me, when I got into the personal development world, I was like, wait a minute, this is exactly like everything else in the world. This is exactly like fitness. This is exactly like building strength. So there's a couple different ways that you can build strength. And one of them is time under tension with resistance. You know, you can increase that time under tension, which means increase the reps, or you can make the load heavier. So when we think about this in life, you can either increase the amount of challenges that you're going through right and that's definitely going to get you somewhere so just like in just like in bodybuilding like if I wanted to get the strongest strongest the fastest if I wanted the biggest muscles the fastest I could go I would make the resistance a lot harder i would make that load a lot heavier, like as much as I could possibly bear to the point of breakdown. And you do this almost daily, right? Of course you have the rest in there, but that's what that looks like. So going back to even talking about quantum leaps, if I want to get strong over time, right? If I'm just kind of like, I want to stay, I want to kind of maintain my strength. I want to kind of get a little bit stronger over time. We're going to do higher reps, um frequently, but you're going to do a little bit less weight, but if you want to get strong fast, mm-hmm. that's exactly what you look for. You look for the biggest challenges and you look for them frequently. And so you're going to need that weight with frequency, and that's what happens in life. All of the people that you see growing, they do big challenges frequently. And the only difference between yeah. them and everyone else is everyone is like doing one hard thing a week and it's not super hard. And then they're waiting until the next week. Uh-uh. Like when I was strength training, when I was winning those titles, guess what? I was back in the gym sore every day. Yeah. So yeah, if you want that life, ask anybody who has that particular body that you want or that title that you want. I'm just talking about fitness. I'm speaking fitness gibberish right now. They, they, <laughs> This is constantly what they're putting themselves through. And now ask anybody who has the career and the success that you want. Like they are constantly in these challenges daily. Like yesterday, I could tell you 10 challenges that happened for me while simultaneously. Yes, there was joy, joy, pain, and problems all exist on the same highway. They are daily. They are from hour to hour. I could go from the most amazing podcast from 10 to 11, from 11 to 12. This is literally yesterday, right? So incredible podcast. Then the next hour, I have a phone call that I don't want to have talking to team members that was super insanely challenging to the next hour talking about something exciting to the next hour talking about a delay in packaging, which really pissed me off to the next hour dealing with something else. This is what that day looks like. And because I had those bunch of challenges in there, I didn't say that it was a shit day. It was a beautiful day. It was just a day, honestly. It was just a day. And so I think in the beginning of entrepreneurship and even some people who don't work with a lot of other people or meaning they don't build their network very well, it can be really isolating and the perspective can be, this is so hard. And so I have taken the charge and the emotion out of a lot of the things that people hold so much resistance and emotion around. And I think that's the difference is like to learn how to get less emotional and just realize it is an honor and a privilege to be able to solve your own problems, meaning the problems that have to do with Mm -hmm. your dream and your purpose rather than someone else's. So it's, it's the constant, perspective shift of what we get to do. And the idea that you are not happy without challenge, try it, try it sometime. Don't challenge yourself. Don't go after what you want. Do the same damn monotonous thing every day of your life. I promise you, you'll be more miserable than when you have challenges.
1: We aren't meant to be sedentary. And I feel like a lot of times, you know, it may be easy to choose like comfort and complacency because, you know, it's just like the instant familiarity that makes people feel good, but sit in that for long enough and you will, I definitely start to go squirrely. I love the idea of like increasing that load of resistance and how much greater the payoff will be. I think in every stage of your life, whether it's an entrepreneurship or, you know, scary relationships that, you know, are moving really fast to the next level or parenthood, it seems daunting, but we have so much capacity to stretch You know, it's like when you're in a career, like climbing the corporate ladder, and they put you in a stretch role. They put you in a role that, like, you may not be yet equipped to do. You don't know how to do it, but they're like, you can stretch into this and you should be. You shouldn't be only doing exactly what you know and you're familiar with, because in that case, you're kind of settling. You're not challenging yourself. You're not growing. Totally. I also wanted to. Talk about the idea of upper limiting.
0: What does that mean and how are we upper limiting ourselves? Okay, so this is from a book, um, that particular term called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It's one of my favorite books. I try to read it every year because it really helps you break through to the next level quickly. And essentially, upper limiting is when we start to take these big leaps in our life, when we start to take these big steps, when we start to face our fears, and when things actually start happening from them meaning you start getting a result, what can happen sometimes is our self-sabotage comes in. We can think it's a fluke. We can start to be afraid. We can reach that edge where we're like, this is really uncomfortable and things can start happening. We can literally make ourselves physically ill. So I don't know about you, but sometimes like, either right after a really big event, I've come down with something, like been so sick for two weeks. And I'm like, what did I do? Was I out of alignment? Oh my God, what's happening? Or, you know, before something really big in your life, you just start self-sabotaging. Like you notice for me, my form of self-sabotage is like avoidance. Like I'll have a big Mm -hmm. talk to do, like the talk of my dreams. And I'll be like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to like, I'll keep putting it off until the very last minute until I'm freaking the F out. Um, so I yeah. like starting to realize what is your favorite flavor of self-sabotage? Cause this is called that, that will happen when you start to make progress, you will upper, you will hit an upper limit. So these upper limits are personal upper limits. And as you're moving forward in your life, you will start to notice how you hit those upper limits and create limits for yourself around what you're no longer comfortable in, because your identity is changing. Like you are no longer that person. So I'm trying to think of some other things that I've upper limited myself in. Oh gosh, so much in friendships and relationships. So I will notice that once in a while I'll go to, I'll go to like a mastermind where there's people who are way ahead of me and I'm really uncomfortable. And like, Right before I go in the room, I'll be in the hotel room and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, could I skip it? Oh, do I not feel good? Oh my God, do I have a stomach ache? Should I just stay back or I'll start doing, I'll start doing this, which is okay. So let's say I go in the room and people aren't necessarily coming up and talking to me. Duh, they don't know me. So instead of me going up and talking to them, I've noticed that what I want to do is sit there and pout and be like, see, these people aren't interested in you. They're into themselves. Mm -hmm. They're stuck up. Like I'll make them bad in my head because this is what I did when I was little. I wasn't popular. I was a chubby kid. I was raised in a religion that I constantly got made fun of. I wasn't allowed to hang out with any kids outside of my church. So I would, I would make all the kids at school bad. I'd be like, oh, they're, you know, they're this way, they're that way. I don't want to hang out with them anyway. They're bad people. So that is a default for we me. We look for
1: the evidence
0: to support
1: the, the self-doubt or the beliefs that allow us to stay in the lane that we're in. I notice that all the time. It's like gathering evidence to be like, oh yeah, no, I'm fine to just not yep. engage in this thing that would make me better, but is scary.
0: That's an upper limit and that's what we do. And it's it's having the knowledge and the awareness that you just had to recognize it and go, nope, push through, tell a new story, tell a supportive story. Like these people are all people. They're just like you. They're telling themselves the same story except they had the balls to go talk to everybody else. Like go up to other people and go tell them how you feel. Like be like, oh my God, these are so awkward. And I'm so excited to be here. Like that can exist in in the the you know, one place at the same time. And let me tell you, just going and exposing your humanness to people is the fastest way to make friends.
1: A hundred percent. Oh, I love that. I can't believe how many ways self-sabotage shows up in our lives that, you know, I've only really realized in the past few years and that so many people might not realize that procrastination, avoidance, perfectionism, that was the big story I was telling myself that like, oh, can't start that. It won't be perfect. Shouldn't go there. Like my standards are too high. I can't meet them right now. And so then it becomes this process of recognizing when we're doing it and telling ourselves a better story. And it's, it's easier said than done, but, and talking about the, the friendships and the networks. This is something that I had no idea until last year how much it was impacting my life that I didn't hang out with people that were like me. I don't have any entrepreneur friends. I don't know other Mm -hmm. podcasters. I don't know other poets. I don't know other people that are into the things that I do. So I was doing all of it almost like ashamed and very alone and feeling like, oh, like I'm just different and people, I don't relate to people. And as soon as I started going to retreats, conferences going from Toronto to California, exposing myself to people who care about the shit I care about, are doing the things that I want to be doing, my life changed. But I'm still, yeah, struggling to cultivate those friendships that really um, support who I want to be and where I want to be. And I know you have a whole book on this. So I'd love to hear more about how strong social circles can help us reach our highest potential. And what is the impact of, of that social environment on our success?
0: I mean, your environment is your willpower. You, your environment is either your reinforcers of good or your reinforcers of, you know, your lower self. So I really look at the people around me and I ask what, Identity of me, are they reinforcing? Like, do they, you know, let it be okay that I play small? Do they say, "Oh, me too," when I say I have anxiety, and like, we don't do anything, we stay in, in action and inactivity, or do they challenge me? And that's really important to me. So, cultivating those is absolutely vital because you won't grow without it. You you just you won't. You can you can reach a certain level of growth within yourself, but personal development doesn't actually work until it becomes community development. Like you can be as personally developed Mm. as you want, but go and try that in a, in a group of people, like how personally developed are you once you get around actual humans where you need to be applying this stuff and actually showing up and working. So I think there should be a whole world called community develop because community development, because are you actually developed if you can't do this around people? Like, um, there's a Ram Dass quote that says, if you think you're enlightened, go stay with your family for a week. Like, (laughs) <laughs> it's just, you know, you can be that. like, oh, I'm so zen when you're not interacting with anyone else. But the second you do, it goes out the window. And so same thing, like how much have I done the self-work if I can't get on a stage, um, if, I, if I don't use those tools, right? Having those people is so vital. And let me tell you, it's, it's not easy. It is, it's one of the most challenging things, but it's the most rewarding thing. That's why it's challenging. I can be happy at home for long periods of time with nobody until I'm not until it hits really hard that I'm really lonely. I feel depressed. I feel, you know, and and honestly, that's not just me. It's called the human condition because we need each other. We need each other. There's this beautiful show on Netflix right now talking about the blue zones and centurions who centurions are, you know, people, these people who are living past 100 in these very specific areas in the world and they go and study them. And the thing that they found for longevity, the one single tie for longevity of healthy people living uh, past 100 is Uh, their community and the purpose that they feel within that community. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the food. It wasn't necessarily, you know, the, the exercise, the things they were doing, they had decent amounts of all that, but it was truly their connection and ties to their community and how, how connected they felt to the individual community. And if they had purpose within that community, like that's the number one thing that you can invest in for your health, your wellness, your mindset, and your business. So you might be investing in all of these other things, but I think invest in going on week trips with other entrepreneur friends like go sit in the awkwardness of that it's weird it sucks at first you don't know them you don't know if they'll like you if you'll be accepted who cares Who cares? Keep investing in it. Keep trying it. The reason I say weekends is if you want a quantum leap in girlfriends and in friendships, that's the way you do it. Go book three of these for the year. I promise you your life will be so different. Just a weekend trip where you guys go and you help work on each other's business and you talk and you have fun and you do something fun. Truly, having amazing entrepreneur girlfriends is a business plan. 100%. It changes everything. They give you your ideas. They give you your breakthroughs. It's profound. Mm. I need that. That
1: support system obviously has so much value. And also just it's like the whole you become, you know, the five people you spend the most time with. And so I've just I look back at my life and I realize like all the things that seemed really normal, like maybe if everyone's in a binge drinking kind of unhealthy stage, that was normal to me. I was like living in a vacuum of like, well, this is what everybody does. So I'm going to do it too. I'm just going to treat my body like shit and not take care of myself because that's like the norm in the environment I have created. And as soon as I started to surround myself with different kinds of people, I was like, oh shit, there are people that wake up every day and are excited about what they're creating and building. And that is what I align with and that's Mm -hmm. who I want to be. So it's so powerful. This has been so inspiring. I have learned so much and it has validated so many things that i have really been feeling and so i want to leave you with the last question that i always ask our guests which is what is one thing that you wish you had learned in school that
0: would have helped equip you for adulthood it's never a what or a skill set that you have to learn immediately it's always a who it's always who has done this who could i ask
1: Fuck yeah, the <laughs> network. The network is everything. You're amazing and I just love watching everything that you accomplish and learning every week on your podcast, And you're happy. Please share with everybody where they can find you and follow you, consume your
0: amazing content and what you're excited about right now. Um, you're so amazing. You're such an amazing um, interviewer. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. You can find me on all platforms, just at Lori Harder. And then I also have a product line that I am obsessed with right now. It's just, it's at getglossy, dot icom If you love skincare, it is a skin routine you can drink. So you can go and check that out there as well. Oh, I love that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lori.
1: There you have it, friends. Thanks for listening and make sure you're following along on Instagram at Teach Me How to Adult Media and on TikTok at Teach Me How to Adult. If you like what you heard today, it would mean so much if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. It really helps us grow the show. And if something in this episode really resonated, text it to your friends or screenshot it and share it on social. Wherever you are in your adulting journey, just remember you're not alone. My DMs are always open and I would love to hear from you. So hit me up with any topics or guests that you would like to hear about. See you next time.
0: Bye.